Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only. What's going on, golf addicts? Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast. This is the Dean and DeLuca 2017 episode. It's a big episode because it's Pat Week. Pat Mayo filling in for David, so you get a double dose the Pats this time around. We're going to give you an update on a couple things, give you a few announcements, recap the Byron Nelson, because Billy Hotrain walked away a winner over Jason Day in a playoff, and later on, we'll review our picks from last week, mine and Pats, and we'll get to the DK pricing for the Dean and DeLuca. Hopefully, you saw some green screens this week, and God willing, we can get you a positive ROI for this week in Dallas, because, Pat, let's let's be uh, frank here. Uh, I mean, David, as it turns out, could be the one who's just carrying all this and lighting up the green screens. With me and you, it could be a lot of just nothing. That, that is that is true, actually. Um, you know, I, and by the way, I believe I, I sensed a hint of a southern accent in that in that intro, and uh, so so very good, Pat. I thought that was that was pretty I, good. I'm I'm going out of my way not to do it. I I don't want to come on like I'm a parody. People do the Canadian (laughs) accent back at me, and they just sound like they're from, like, North Dakota. And, like, I don't really sound like that. I I listen to myself for, like, seven hours a day while I'm editing. That's not what I sound like. Well, well, maybe you're a Southerner at heart, you know? I mean, you could just... I can see that. Yeah. I I can see it, too. uh, I'm from the East Coast of Canada, so which is weirdly kind of like the south of Canada despite the fact that we're north and it's east but you know we have very good manners very polite we're not the big city folk well you know I mean that's that's the southerners right there you know we we say yes sir and yes ma'am and and things like that so well all right so let's talk about Pat Week then I mean this is this is uh we don't have David just thank god we get one week without David I want to talk about you so I want I want to know uh you know we, we're going to ask, we're going to go through some questions about Pat Mayo because you host several shows, but we don't get to know the real Pat Mayo. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want to, I want to start off. I don't want to talk about any golf, things like that. I just want to talk about Pat Mayo. Are you, are you okay with that? Yeah. Anything you want to know. All right. So first off, here's what I want to know. How did you get started in this business? In fantasy or in golf? fantasy in fantasy talking business on fantasy network podcast whatever else. Okay, well, it started uh, the moment I graduated from college, um, which was in two thousand eight, because I was a slacker and took like five and a half years to get an arts degree. Uh, that's always fun, but I didn't know what to do. <sighs> So I actually, my last class that I took in university or what you guys call college, I suppose, this was in Canada, we went to the, uh, I signed up for this model UN class because it was a free trip to New York and it was basically a free A. So I flew to New York City for this thing with uh, my college. Didn't go to a single thing, just met a couple guys, a couple girls. We just went out drinking the entire time, which was awesome. And then I just got talked talking football with like two of them and the amount that I knew about football compared to these American guys was like astonishing and they were kind of blown away that a Canadian knew anything about football to begin with and I was like huh I'm a pretty good writer I'll start writing a blog so I wrote a blog for like three months just on like Blogspot. it got picked up by this like thinky website I wrote for them for like six months and then that website got acquired by Roto Experts where I still write today and of like the eight people that got brought along for the ride uh, of getting bought out and being replaced over at Roto Experts. Seven of them were gone within like three months, and I'm still there seven years later. But in that time, I went back to school, uh, to broadcasting school. And then I figured, you know, I can make a run of this. No one really does video or audio in the fantasy realm, so I might as well get on top of that. So I just learned how to do everything myself and just started shooting stuff out of my like one-bedroom apartment on a green screen and then 
it all just led to this. So that that leads me to another question because media today is 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 very different than it used to be, and I think you and I were talking about this uh, earlier in the week. But ESPN they fired a bunch of people recently, and I think they're kind of moving towards this digital media podcast, all that kind of stuff. They they want their their announcers and and reporters to be able to do a lot of different things. You know, I mean, they were showing freaking drone racing the other day on 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 tv so is that kind of what you think do you think media is sort of moving in that in that direction to to what you are doing mostly today um yeah i do actually but it's not like what i'm doing it's the savings that i bring doing what i do so I mean, the Pat Mayo Hour, like, we, I run, I share a studio with a whole bunch of people so we can shoot, like, eight shows out of it. I'm the only person that works on my show. Occasionally, like, while we're doing the show, someone switches between a camera that has me and a camera that has, like, the graphic of the person who's on the other line. But everything else on that show is done by me. I do all the prep. I do all the editing. I do all the sound mixing. I do all the promotion. I release it all. I host the show. So the only cost of the show is really paying me. That's it. Um, and it that sounds a little bit like David, before. actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> that's that's the way that it's running now. Now, obviously, at ESPN, it's not going to be that way. But you're going to start to see more and more things that slowly move to that. Because, I mean, I fill up on the actual TV channel. Yes, Fantasy Sports Network is an actual TV channel, shockingly enough. But uh, And you can order it. It's on cable systems. I, I would recommend you do it. We have a cool ticker. But I provide like six hours of content a week. And I mean, more than that hits the web just because some stuff is unsavory enough for actual you know, terrestrial television or terrestrial radio. But just being able to shoot the show, repurpose it for audio, repurpose it for Internet videos, cut it up into two minute clips, all that kind of thing. I think you're going to see more and more stuff go that way. Even look at something like PTI. Like PTI is about unless you're paying Kornheiser and Wilbon millions, which you're probably not. Um, eh, maybe, maybe will bond a few million. I know Kornheiser doesn't do much at ESPN outside of that. Now he just has his own podcast, but like the talent that, that that's it. And that's the only reason that people tune in. You can create as cool of a concept as you want, but if people don't like the personalities, that's where all the money now has to go because everything is so cheap to produce. And I, I think that's the main reason that ESPN let a lot of these guys go. Like it was the entire hockey division. Well, they don't have hockey, right? So of course, what, what the hell do they care about hockey? They don't. It's like, you know, local beat reporters for the NFL, that kind of thing. And you can outsource that to like free blogs that do just as good as stuff. And the internet has caught up to the point where these guys are just as sourced as the random ESPN beat writer. So it's, all things that if you can't self-produce yourself at this point, A, you're probably not going to get on air. The only reason that I learned how to do any of this stuff is I always just wanted to be in front of the camera talent was no one was going to put me on. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Fortunately, you know, fantasy worked out for me, but I was looking at, you know, there's the Canadian Sports Center. And that's always kind of like the big thing that broadcasters get into. And that's what I wanted to do uh, when I first got into it. Then I started to see how like Sports Center worked. I was like, well, I have I get to have zero opinion on anything. I get to read highlights someone else wrote but like even that model is going down the drain so i learned how to use a camera i learned how to edit i learned how to do after effects and build graphics and things like that and i was able to put myself on air via the internet and then you know someone noticed well you do a great job at it i, I think you're obviously one of the hardest workers out there and what we do and um but you're you're big into golf also so you know i know you talked about football was kind of your first thing that sort of got you in as as far as talking fantasy but you know golf is i think probably the fastest growing fantasy sport out there um especially with dfs so give me your thoughts on that and then i also want to know one thing do you actually play real golf so to, to answer the second part first, yes, but I play far less than I used to. When I moved to, <laughs> when I moved to Toronto in 2010, um, it turns out the courses around here are way more expensive to play, <laughs> like legit more expensive, and there's no course like in the city that's any good. So in Ontario, up here, like I'll play maybe twice a year, but when I go home, I usually go home for a week uh, to the East Coast or two weeks over the summer, and I'll probably play around like 10 to 14 times. I'll just play every single day, maybe two rounds a day to, to kind of get my fix in. Uh, but now, growing up, I started playing golf when I was like 
eight. My dad, my dad thought it was very important that I learn how to play golf. Um, and I'm not very good still, but I can still pick up a, at almost any point, I can pick up whatever clubs, play whatever, and I can shoot anywhere between 85 and 95, depending on the day. It just, I, I never cracked 80. I, I rarely break 100 unless I'm playing at a very tough course, but it, it just, sort of the thing at this point. If I could ever learn how to drive the ball, I feel like I would be a lot better, but I'm so terrible off the tee. I would not be good this week at the Dean DeLuca, put it that way. I'd be in the woods every single hole. But um, what was the first part of that question? Uh, I kind of forgot. Um, Oh! Oh, golf as as a growing DFS sport. Yes. I I mean, football is clearly going to be number one. And the reason I mentioned football off the top is that was really how I got a break is people started noticing my football column. Uh, I joined the FSWA and like the second year I was a part of it, I got nominated for a whole bunch of football awards, like football writer. I was nominated for baseball writer that year too. And it seems like like three decades ago that I used to write about baseball, but I used to write about it every day. But the viewership and the traffic and people noticing you, football was so popular. Um, I mean, it's one of the reasons the golf stuff has taken off for me so much was that I was one of the first people on the scene to DFS golf and just talking about fantasy golf and just it was just dumb luck on my part that a lot of people who were interested in like DraftKings and FanDuel football started becoming interested in DraftKings or at least in DraftKings uh, and even like fantasy feud at the time golf. I think it's the second biggest one. I, I know that, you know, you're going to have your hardcores that exclusively play baseball and then basketball and then hockey and all that. But it seems like the biggest crossover one is golf. And frankly, if you're just doing it for entertainment value, which really you should be like, I'm not a professional DFS player. I'm a, professional broadcaster weirdly it sounds weird to say out loud but like i'm not i'm not making my living off playing DraftKings. yeah uh, i make my living talking about DraftKings. some people do like there's awesome players out there i'm not one of those people i'm good at research i'm good at information i'm good at presenting that that's why i don't sell my i mean i'm sure the company would prefer that i put everything i do behind a paywall and sell it but you know i'm not winning you millions i can win you some with some good picks but i prefer it be free that way you can't get too mad at me when the when the picks are really bad. Um, and it just takes the pressure off me to go out and just kind of make crazy opinions and just get people excited about golf. But it seems like it doesn't matter what DFS sport that you play, you play golf. You get to lock, you get to do your three days of research. So it's set up the most like football, which is the most popular. I think people can process that in their minds pretty easily. You get your three days to research, Monday to Thursday, you put in your lineups, and then you get two days of just sheer excitement. Oh, you might buy guys at the top of the leaderboard after five holes. Oh God, my guy's in last place after the first round. Then he battles back. You get the cut sweat. Then you get the Saturday sweat. Then you get the Sunday sweat. Like, you know, if you're talking about like bang for your buck, golf is by far the best DFS game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Actually, I think, um, and you know, when when David and I first started doing what we do, and we're the same. I mean, we we enjoy it. We have a we have a good time playing it. But obviously, it's not something that we do professionally. Uh, but you know, when we started, we listened to several podcasts out there, and there just wasn't anything to us that was that interesting, except for you. You were you are our favorite one to listen to, and so I got to say, you you kind of you helped get us in this. Uh, because we we wanted to, uh, I, I don't want to say we wanted to be just like you, Pat. But we 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 were uh, we loved what you did. But we felt like you know we wanted there was a, there could be there was room for a few more voices out there, and so that that's why we we started what we did. But um, again, you're right. I love just the the lead up, the research, and then you got four days to just kind of see what happens. So unlike you know when you have to look at baseball every night or NBA every night or or whatever. So I, I am totally with you there. Um, all right. So uh, and, and, and I think that there's a thing where people from like I said, all the DFS sports all seem to play. Whether you're a baseball fanatic, you'll play golf. If you're a basketball fanatic, you'll play golf. Like. Baseball people, if they're big on baseball, they're not just going to randomly play a hockey slate that night or an MMA slate. They'll play golf because, frankly, golf is real random and anyone can kind of win at it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're. I mean, you're right. I mean, look, look at the past two winners we've had on tour. You know, you had Siwoo Kim at, you know, had missed, what, seven of his eight or eight straight cuts. I can't remember what it was with, with a few withdrawals in there. And then he wins the players. And then you have Billy Horschel last week who's missed four straight cuts 
and then he and then he wins you know the tournament last week. So golf is extremely hard to predict. It's just you know we can do all the research, we can talk about all the stats, we can talk about recent form and course history, but in the end, you gotta. I mean, I'm sure you would agree. It's just it's it's hard to pick. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why the biggest success that I've had. That's why I don't bet people like I, I do a lot of like golf betting, and I don't bet a lot of people that are like I'm not betting DJ at five to one. Like that does me nothing. Like he has to win at that point. Like uh, I feel far more comfortable taking six or seven shots down the list, not betting it. Like basically, for one DJ, I could bet I could bet eight guys that are fifty to one and beyond, and get a huge payday from it. And all you need to do is hit like one every three months, or even hit like three winners a year that are eighty to one and above, and and you're looking really good. And I just it, it lends itself to like you said you have these out of nowhere winners and hopefully you can hit those guys I haven't hit any of the past three but it's anyone can win it's like why I've been doing really well with these first round leader bets because legitimately anyone in the field can be first round leader doesn't matter how bad they are how good they are for one round anyone can beat anyone in golf shouldn't you just take Ricky Barnes as first round leader like every week and then I mean you're probably gonna hit that eventually right Ah, uh, yeah, I should. I that it's something I did all last year, and I haven't bet him at all this year. But I had James Hahn last week, so that really worked out. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, all right, so we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about Byron, Byron Nelson real quick in a second. But I, I got it. You know, David and I spent eight weeks before we just recorded just on our own, trying to find out about each other and things like that. You and I only have one night, so I, I got to find out some things about you. So I'm gonna ask you a few quick hitter questions. And, uh, you know, we just got to gain some rapport here, Pat, because this is this is our first time. So so are you ready? Let's do it. All right. You're getting married here soon. So how did how did you meet your your future bride? Tinder. Really? Tinder. Okay. well, I I can't relate there because I I did when I when I met Sally, uh, Tinder did not exist. But we did meet at a bar. Does that count? Is that kind of similar? Are we on the same page? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's how I used to meet people. And then this this app came along where I could just meet like a million people right away. It was awesome. Like when I first got it, I was living in Manhattan. Uh, I lived there for about a year, which was awesome. And then I moved back to Toronto. I mean, we have six million people. It was the way that I always look at it. I mean, it's, it's a hookup app, at least at the time it was. Uh, and then you can exploit it for that all you want. But it's just a great way to meet people. Like you just the um, the volume of it's like people who play 150 DFS lineups. Like you know, you just give yourself better shot by going out there because, <laughs> frankly, I mean, if you're trying to pick up people at a bar all the time, you're not going to meet the best of people all the time. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. Um, okay, that's interesting. So you got lucky. Okay. Good. Um, all right. So be honest. I'm, I'm pretty sure you listen to the show, right? You I listen do. To, you listen to Tord. Okay. Whose picks do you typically like better or tend to go with? David. Why, why are you so quick with that, Pat? It's because I know. It's like people on my show when they say, is it me or the guest that they listen to for the picks? It's always the guest. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't like that answer, but we'll go on. Okay. Um, the number one, you know, we have a lot of tour pros on the show. So the number one tour pro that has not been on yet that you'd like to see on our show. I think Rory would be an awesome interview. I know he's a tough get, but that's going to be a tough get. That'd be awesome. Well, out of people that are like feasible to, yeah, let's go feasible. (laughs) Um, have you had, have you had William McGirt on? We haven't. I think he'd be good. I agree. Southerner went to Wofford College, I believe. You probably have no idea where Wofford is, do you? I know that they're in the tournament, like, sometimes, as, like, a 16 seed. Yeah. Spartanburg, South Carolina. Ooh. There you go. Kind of near Columbia and Charlotte. All right. I got just a couple more. Wine, yep. or, wine or beer? Depends on the mood. I'm more of a beer guy, but now that you mentioned that I'm getting married, I got to cut back on. I got to cut back on the beer. Move on to the wine. It's a bit, I, bit more slimming. Okay, I did the same thing, but I don't know if it worked for me. But yeah, okay. <laughs> um, let me see. All right. One of the things that people have pointed out on the show for me lately is that I say the word again a lot. Again. 
Yeah, of course you do. Do you, do you have what is your again? Do you have a word? I mean, that pe- it, I mean, I say your- I mean all the time. I mean, like it's just whenever I'm trying to catch my thought. Because uh, when, when I do the show, like some people think that I'm reading off a teleprompter, and I'm not. I'm just staring in the camera, yammering like an idiot. Uh, it's me trying to catch my thought and trying to think about what I'm saying next. It's just something I've been trying to break for ages, uh, and then I forget when I'm actually talking. So how am I going to break from again, or is it ever going to happen? What? Give me some advice. What you, what you need to do is constantly listen to the show. So listen to it over and over and over, especially spots that you say again a lot. And then it will get ingrained so much in your mind that you shouldn't say it. You'll eventually come up with another word that you just say too much, but it won't be again. Okay, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your advice there. Okay, all right. It's, um, it's, like that, it's like that scene in A Clockwork Orange where they just expose him to too much violence. And every time that you know he wants to be violent afterwards, he just throws up and gets sick. That'll be like you with again. I can even, like, piece your eyes open and do all that crazy stuff for you. So maybe I should get, since David does a lot of, like, our audio work and editing, I should just get him to edit up every single time I say again and put it in, like, this this long again, you know, cut and just play it over and over again. So it just, it just, I hate it. Maybe that's what I should do. Oh, you don't even need to get David to do that. I mean, if you want to, you know, really torture just David, listen to one show. Do that. <laughs> no, what you need to do is get the listeners to do that for you because i mean you guys got i mean i have some awesome listeners i guarantee you a lot of them are the same listeners yeah. <laughs> and you guys probably have even better ones as well uh there's a listener out there that will do that for you make the again supercut, send it to you put it on your phone and just keep pounding it through your head yeah well that is that is true okay well uh again <laughs> let's let's <laughs> move on how about that yeah let's do that all right, so Byron Nelson, let's talk about that real quick. I'm going to go through our picks, uh, at least mine and David's pick. You, you weren't involved in these, but uh, unless you just want to. I, I, can re- I, I can review mine as well. They weren't good. Okay, well, ours were okay, but not great. We picked 32 players. We had four top fives, including Jason Day. Uh, we had 12 in the top 30 and 10 missed cuts, which is pretty high. And that's that's not very good. I'm just going to go ahead and admit that. Also, we uh, one of the things we do in in uh, on the Roto Grinders website is we have our shot in the arm product, at, where we list our great, fantastic four, and also our top fades. Which our top fades last week were Brooks Kepka and JB. And I, you know, early on Kepka was looking that was uh, looking like a terrible fade, but when he when he he finished what in the 50s so I, don't, I, I think that turned out to be a pretty good fade and jb missed the cut so and then he had spieth miss the cut again which is now two in a row so that is uh kind of my initial just thoughts on how we did uh last week how about you pat what, what were your uh what were your thoughts how did you do I, I nailed the fades. The fades we were on the same page with. I faded Brooks and Spieth. Those were the two guys that I was staying away from. And I went heavy Dustin Johnson, which turned out to be a mistake. Uh, but in my, I do pivot plays every week. And just for tournament plays, like I usually play 20 to 50 lineups kind of thing. And guys that I would sprinkle in that I thought were going to be at low ownership. So Jason Day was my favorite of the top five guys. Turns out I probably should have used him a bit more. Uh, but Dustin, for me, at the top turned all right. I had Reed, Finau, and Duffner as my next level picks. None of them really spiked. Duffner and Finau were fine. Uh, they all made the cut, which was nice. And then this this middle area really got me because I went with Snedeker and Henley. Henley and Delette really cost me a lot of money last week because I had Bjorn and massively overweight on him. But Snedeker, Henley, and Delette all in that area really kind of crushed the potential upside. Like, I just... I didn't end up with very many sixes sixes because of it, uh, and that really killed my overall. But in the middle ranges, I went with uh, Woodland, Dillette, Sung Kang, JT Poston, which was just horrible, and Boo Weekly, which was fine. I had Nick Taylor, Swafford, who was awful, Keegan Lahiri, who was awful, and Chad Campbell, who actually turned out to be okay at $6,200. So it was a very sort of like tread water-ish week. The right combination was in there to make some money, but obviously no Billy Horschel, so that's not good. Well, you know, I actually ended up with a couple day Horschel lineups, but like you, I had Dillette in a ton of lineups and also Poston, and that that killed. I mean, I still cashed, but I think I could have had some a chance at some serious money if uh, if I had had all six. But 
but yeah, but Billy Horschel winning. I mean, you know, he's had four straight missed cuts. Uh, you know, the guy is, uh, he's an interesting figure. You know, he came out last week after the whole incident where he threw the club at the caddy, and I don't, I don't care what he says. I mean, that's basically what he did. But, but going back, I mean, I don't know if you saw today. Did you see the tweet today from his wife? I did. I, I read that through. That was very interesting and. It's weird because I, I'm sure there are more golfers going through stuff like this and just we don't know about it. And that's where golf is such a mental game. Having things like that off the course where you can really dwell on it and maybe bring it onto the course, I think affects golfers more than any other sport. Yeah, I agree. I think um, if it's one of those sports where if their mind is not in the right place for whatever reason it is, they're just not going to be playing well. I mean, it, it just is what it is. I mean, they can't. I mean, maybe Tiger was was probably one of the guys when he was in his prime that that could maybe put things like that, you know, out of his focus. But then you look at him when he got older, and then what happened with you know Elon and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, he. It just totally shot his confidence in his game. So it's one of the biggest things out there. And why I think that recent form is something that has to be a factor in the players that you're looking at every week. Because if if you're looking at a guy... Now, obviously our last two winners don't prove that, but... You know, I think if you're playing well, there's you're on a trend that's that's positive. To me, those are going to be the top players that I'm looking at. Um, that's I, that's, I, that's I, just me. I I completely agree. I, I think that some people will say that course history doesn't matter. I tend to disagree with that. I, I think that course history does matter, but recent form over all things else. Have you been using this uh, this this fantasy national? Are you beta testing that? Because I, I am. Have you used it yet? Yes, I am. I actually have it pulled up on one of my computers that's in front of me right now. So, it, And eventually, when this is released to the public, this is going to be what people use, I feel, to look for their stats, look at recent form, because being able to separate by like the last 12 or 24 or even 50 rounds just shows you the trend that people are going and being able to you know click on a player and see what he's done and see where he's playing well I, I think that really makes a lot of sense like we can look at results but how did they get to the results and that's what i'm starting to like about this is yes recent form is one thing you can see a guy have a a, a miscut t17 t12 t13 t27 now it's this week but how did he get to those is he putting the lights out is his t green game great over those rounds and i think that's the next step that we're all going to need to take because recent form is one thing stats are one thing can we mix them together and we're getting close to that yeah i think you're right and 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 uh this this special very special site that we're betty both beta testing right now is uh incredible and i'm still learning a lot about it but i i'm with you i do like it um all right, so we're going to get into some picks here. We got a few things that that uh, the tour junkies put out this week. We did have a contest, and this was based off the McHamburger bet. And I don't know if you saw. Did you see that, Pat? Do you have any idea I, what I'm talking about? Uh, what was it? Someone eating too much McDonald's? So this guy. So this this happened to be a, a friend of a contact of ours that. He bet that he could eat a thousand dollars worth of McDonald's in thirty six hours, and by the end of of this, uh, it it, it, ha- it all went down on Friday and Saturday. So over this past weekend, I believe on both sides of the bet, so that he could or that he could not do it. There was maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars that was uh, that was out there. Now he did call it off early, so I don't know how that fa- affected the money. But so, and that also affected the contest because the contest was how many calories do you think he ate? Well, let me just tell you this: I'm going I'm to I'm let you guess, and then I'm going to announce the winner. So, okay. he he ended up eating about he cut it off. I think at like 150 dollars, and not one of those dollars was spent on an actual hamburger because he was trying to be strategic. So, I want you to tell me what you think the calories. The calorie number was. Now I'll give you. Some, well, let me give you a hint. He had like okay. sides of avocado, apples. He bought like fifty packs of apples and put them in and uh, made them like applesauce. He had chicken, grilled chicken, like just straight grilled chicken, things like that. 
So, so he tried to eat healthy at McDonald's. He tried to eat healthy to start out, and then he, but he, but you know, he wanted to eat. He he was trying to go after the most expensive side items, like apples are expensive apparently for McDonald's. Sides of of uh, of guac or avocado or whatever, bacon. He had some bacon. He was eating. He was like dipping the bacon in the avocado. So that was kind of what he was Sounds trying to delicious. do because he was trying to run the tab up as much as he could. So total, was there any drinks involved with this? Like no soda? drinks. No drinks. So overall calories on $150? Yeah. See, this, this, is, this hurts me because I, I don't know what things cost in America. I assume it's way cheaper. Yes, probably. Mm. Yeah, McDonald's is actually, I wouldn't say expensive here, but it's, yeah. it's not like being in America where everything's like 30 cents. Um, I'm going to go with... $150 worth dollar per calorie. Let's say times 100. 33,000 calories. Wow. See, now you are right in line with most every single answer that we got. But actually, that is way too high, almost quadruple too high. The actual what? number was 6,310 calories. And uh, the because you you I don't think you listened to the part where I told you that he cut it off early. Because well, well, how well he still spent he still spent the hundred and fifty bucks, didn't he? He did spend the hundred fifty dollars, but he was supposed to do thirty six hours, and he only he quit after like twelve hours. So, but if he spent that, I, I was doing it based off the hundred and fifty dollars spent. Okay, all right. Well, you were still too high. So, but our winner <laughs> was was uh, at Lincoln Duff. So at L I N C O L N D U F F, he guessed seventy five hundred calories. He was the closest one. So Lincoln, if that's your name, you're going to win a Tour Junkies care package. I get to pack that because I have all the Tour Junkie swag. So I'm just going to give you what I think you should get. And uh, appreciate everybody getting in on that. Uh, just something a little different and fun to do. On to the tweet of the week. I really, you know, David does a tweet of the week normally because he spends a lot more time on Twitter than I do. But the one thing that I thought was pretty funny is we had, and this this necessarily wasn't this guy's tweet, but he was the one that notified me of this. And I don't know if you saw it, Pat, but you probably did. Uh, there was a time when Pat May, or Pat May, Pat, come on. All right. <laughs> a time when Billy Horschel was putting and they the camera panned just kind of across the crowd, and you see this guy in a red shirt just grabbing his... The nipple twist guy? The what? The nipple twist guy? Yeah, the nipple twist guy. And we had a a listener slash follower, Matt Chastain, and his Twitter handle is at Packet Boy, which is weird. It's at Packet, and then uppercase B-O-Y. Uh, he tweeted that at us, and that's the only thing I could come up with because I thought that was funny as shit. But that was only only one I had. So there you go. It's, it's not bad. I mean, I, I barely remember any tweets that get sent my way. Yeah. So that was that was tweet of the week. Uh, last thing we're going to get into the course breakdown and also weather is uh, if you're playing Euro Tour events on DraftKings this week, you got to go out and follow our boy at. Ashley Morrison. He is at Ashley Morrison. He is going to be on the grounds at Wentworth for the BMW Championship, which he told me, he texted me earlier today, that that is kind of like their masters. They love this course. They love this tournament. And he is going to be tweeting out uh, just information on the course this week, the conditions that he sees, the players, and how they're doing. And then also he has an article for us every week it uh, is on our blog, which is One Groove Low on TourJunkies.net. So go check out Ash Morrison. Uh, you need to have Ash on your show sometime, Pat. I- I'm going to go ahead and plug him right now. The guy knows his stuff. He's a he's kind of a mini-tour player over there and uh, does a really good job. So check out his articles, and, and maybe uh, maybe you can get him on your show once once in a while, Pat. Maybe, but I don't talk about Eurogolf ever. Yeah, but he can he can talk. He can talk. U.S. golf too. It's kind of like Ben Coley. You had Ben Coley on your show, didn't you? Yeah, I, I have been on for uh, for the, usually the U.S. and the Open Championship every year. 
But the the hard thing is, as I found out even with Ben, it's hard to get the times right for when I film and when they're actually awake. It is. You're right. I, I agree. It was the same way when we did Ben, because Ben's extremely good. So if anybody's... Yeah, if anybody out there has not checked him out, I, I would go look up Ben Coley on, on Twitter. Does great stuff. All right, let's get into the course and the weather this week. We are at the 2017 Dean and DeLuca Invitational in Fort Worth, Texas at Colonial Country Club. 7,200 yards. We got another par 70 this week and bent grass again. Um you know, this course is one of those where I think almost everybody in the field has a shot. Now, there's a few that don't, like your Stephen Bowditches of the world. And uh, I saw somebody else. I can't remember who it was that I, I don't. Even, I can't even believe is in the tournament. But um, you know, it's one. It's just it's not your longest of courses. You got small greens. Probably one of the smallest on tour. Uh, you know, it's but it is a it's a decent field. You got seven of the top thirty this week in the world and um so what are your what are your initial thoughts on this course and this week pat well when i went back and looked at a lot of the winners and guys that have played well here uh, some of the shorter more accurate hitters have had a lot of success like tom's won zj won twice strickers won here in the past but i started looking at like who the more recent winners have been like even to throw duffner into that mix he came runner up here twice as well but like adam scott won this event um, so it leads me to believe that ball striking, because Sergio's won as well, as well at Colonial, so it leads me to believe that something like ball striking is somewhat important, but uh, I think people are going to point a lot to, let's say, you know, driving accuracy, which I do think is important, but I, where it's only 7,200 yards, I think a lot of guys just aren't going to hit driver off the tee, so when you have you know some of the more erratic players like Tony Finau off the tee, you know, and they're hitting either hybrid or they're hitting like five iron off the tee on some of these shorter holes. There's not a lot of long ones that it's going to improve their accuracy to the point where driving accuracy as a stat doesn't really matter. So I, I think that strokes gained off the tee is still the big one here instead of looking at driving accuracy. However, I think, um, Strokes gained approach is the stat that I'm really going to hone on because that's the attacking. That is the scoring type of stat. Now, if that is down and guys are not hitting these smaller greens, then you're going to need that around the green game. I mean, that's how Spieth won last year. He wasn't hitting every green. He was chipping and he was putting. And that's how he ended up in the winner's circle. But the year before, like Chris Kirk did very much the same thing. But the years that Duffner ended up coming in second, he was just ball striking and sticking it 10 feet to the pin and being Jason Duffner and not being able to putt and actually end up with a win. So I think there's many ways that you can attack this course. Um, it feels like strokes gained around the green and putting will save a lot of people, but it's strokes gained approach and off the tee that will have the guys in the position to win in the first place. Well, I am, and I'm totally with you on strokes gain approach and strokes gain off the tee. Those are both probably my top two stat categories this week. Uh, and I looked at around the green, also proximity though. Just with when you have small greens, I think that's that's important. You want you want guys that um, you know hit it close to the hole, hit greens in regulation, things like that. So I do like proximity. And then if you look at last year for putting, uh, you know, strokes gain putting was was one. If you look at the top. 20 or so that and how they finished last year that you know they were all up there in the in that putting category but um but so isn't think, that the same isn't that the same isn't that the same every week though like the guys that putt well are the guys that are going to win no you're right it's you're hard, right it's yeah. hard to predict week to week but i think too with bent grass I, I i tend to lean towards guys that i know putt well on bent grass greens you know um even the guy like brant snedeker who who was pretty bad you know has not been great of late he may be somebody that I look at this week just because I know that, that he tends to putt well on bent grass green. So um, just just something I look at now. I, well, I, I'm looking at the past 12 rounds on bent in terms of strokes game putting, and it's Horschel, Kisner, Blair, Cody Gribble, Xander Shifley, Harmon, Hughes, Martin Piller, who's back for like the first time in ages, uh, Aikida, Billy Hurley III, and Harris English, and Brian Gay. So... Not the guys you would expect, I think, at the top. No, but so there you go. Maybe some tournament plays right there. Yeah, never know. Um, real quick though, you meant we. I tend to run through past champs. You did mention a few. We had Spieth last year in 2016. Chris Kirk, fellow Bulldog in 2015. Adam Scott in 2014. You had Boo Weekly 
2013. Zach Johnson in 2012. He also won in 2010 and has a very good course history here, except for the last couple of years. It hadn't been incredible, but but still pretty good. And then you had David Toms in 2011. And it, you see if just in the past chance that there's a lot of different players there, a lot of different types of players that can win out here. Weather-wise, that is... Uh, it's going to be windy this week. Uh, I think that you're going to see uh, at least 10 to 20 miles per hour on the on the winds every single day. I don't see a lot of rain except for maybe Saturday in the forecast. Uh, so that's going to be something to pay attention to on Wednesday. I, I don't know. How much do you look at the weather, Pat? I, I think I look at it too much, and I think it kills me from time to time. Yeah, I always think people overreact to the weather. It's just, it's it's the weather, like... Yeah, I know it sounds very simplistic to say, but do like people come to us for like golf picks. And if we're right once every month and we give a over 50 to one winner kind of thing, we're doing really well. Weather's kind of the same way. So I, I'm looking, I use windfinder.com. Uh, I find it's the most reliable one because it gives you like a weather station that's near the course. But like I'm looking at it right now. So it has the average wind speeds on Thursday starting at 7 a.m. It's going to be 10 with gusts up to 26. Then at 10, it's going to be 14 with gusts up to 21. Then it's 21 on average at 1 o'clock up to 29. 22 to 31, then 17 to 32. So it's going to be super windy in the late afternoon, far more in the morning. But if it just got super windy at 7 a.m., you know, it's not going to shock me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, again, it's, to me, it's just, I just said again, again. I got. I got. Now you tripled up on it. Yeah, that was a trip. You tripled okay. down on again. Yeah, man. All right. Well, we're working on it, Pat. Okay. Well, not very hard. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, let's get into some picks here. We're, we got the over 10k range this week on DraftKings. You got Jordan Spieth as the highest price guy at twelve thousand. You got John Rahm at eleven eight. Sergio at ten eight. And then Casey and Kucher rounded out at 10-2 and 10-1. So who are you targeting this over 10K range this week? I think I like Sergio the best. And I don't know what to make of Spieth. Like, if I'm going to play, like, 50 lineups this week, like, do you think the Spieth is going to be popular? Because it's always hard for, like, Spieth is the hardest person I have wrapping my mind around in terms of how owned he's going to be. But it feels like everyone is just going to take Rom. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Rom is actually if you if you look at fantasy draft, he's actually the number one price guy. He he they they took him o- over Spieth. Um, so I think you're going to see higher ownership in, with Rom. Spieth to me though is still going to be pretty highly owned this week. I, I think you're going to see with there's going to be again he's missed two straight cuts. So what what's everybody going to do? They're going to say all right, there's no way he's missing two straight cuts. Yeah, he's a, or three straight cuts. Yeah, he's the highest priced guy out here, but you know he's the class of the field or one of the classes of the field. So I still think he's going to be relatively high high owned in in cash and GPP. And and I but I'm probably going to fade him again this week. Yeah, I, I can see fading Rom as well. I, I mean, that's not the most strategic play in the world, but I'm curious to see how he plays one of these less than driver courses. Generally, when we see Rom, he's at a place he gets the driver out and he just swings away. I mean, that's his biggest advantage. He crushes it, and even the long iron shots, he's really good. Like this is going to be sort of a different type of game for John Rom than we've seen in the past. I mean, he's you know, one of he's clearly on his way, if not already being one of the best players in the world. So it's not going to stun me if he comes out and wins, but like, I guess he played well at the pro-am at Pebble beach. And I I think that is very similar to how you have to attack this course, but there's more leeway to be had. And I think there's more driver opportunity at Pebble beach and, you know, the two other courses that they play, but like, it wasn't a surprise to me that he won the farmers. That seems like the type of course where he would win. He played really well at the shell. He played really well at the Wells Fargo. He didn't get limited off the tee, but you saw at the players, like he was around field average when it came comes to off the tee gaining strokes where he usually just runs away with it because you you have to kind of know where to place the ball. You have to hit these kind of dinky little shots with a four iron off the tee. And (laughs) I don't know if he's there yet where that's just an everything 
every week thing where, you know what, I can go out and launch it this week, then I can scale it back the next week. I think that's a part of the learning process. Like I said, I, I'm not going to be surprised if John Rom wins, but you have to start nitpicking these guys at the top. And it strikes me like Sergio might get overlooked a little bit. And Sergio seems sort of like the prototypical guy that you want at this course. Um, he can dial it back. He can put it in the fairway. He's an excellent ball striker. And he really impressed me Saturday afternoon with the back nine that he had because he was kind of out of it, played his way back into it. Then he had a sort of a terrible Sunday. But he's won here before. He's 7-7 seven seven in cuts made. He has two top tens. He has two wins this year if we include the European tour. And people just, I, I don't want to say have soured on Sergio, but it might be a nice week to kind of get him where there's sort of a malaise building around him. So I really like Sergio. Yeah, I actually, you know, we're going to start off in agreement. I, I love Sergio yeah. this week. I, I do think that I'm going to have some Paul Casey. I mean, that, you know, the 10-2 price doesn't doesn't really scare me all that much for him. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, strokes gained approach, he's number two in the field in, in that stat category. He's also in the top 10 in strokes gained around the green. So I think Paul Casey is one that I, I'll definitely uh, have some ownership to. But other than that, I'm, I'm probably going to fade the rest of these guys in, in this over 10 range. And really, one of my favorite guys is going to be Kevin Kisner at 9,700 if, if, we, if we go into that range. I mean, the guy is, is playing extremely well. Uh, I know for a fact from you know a little bit of a personal correspondence with him that he is just wants to win worse than anybody I can I can tell you right now. So and he fits this course perfectly. He's had two straight top tens, and so I think Kiz is going to be a guy that I will start a lot of lineups, and I may just completely skip the over ten k guys and just start with him. I think that's a sensible move. If you can afford one of the top guys, I'd probably jump up there too. But I love Kiz, I love Leishman, and I love Duffner in that $9,000 range. It's just, I mean, I like Leishman just because it's the putter that's been holding him back recently. He's just, he's bled strokes on the green and gaining them everywhere else. Eventually, he is a good putter, so that's going to flip for him. Hopefully, it's this week. But those three guys just really stick out to me. Like, I, I don't get how Duffner's only $9,000 at this course. No, he's probably not going to win because he keeps melting down on Sundays. No, he doesn't have a top 10 this year. But he's 31 of 33 in terms of cuts since the beginning of 2016. Like, if you're going to tell me I can like have him on a cash game at $9,000 in this field at this type of course, like, sign me up. Yeah, again, I think Duffner, you are so right on him. And here's the thing with him. If you look at fantasy draft pricing this week, he is the fourth price guy right behind Sergio Garcia. Be. So if, you, if, you're, if you're thinking of value, I mean, what is he here? I mean, he's like, what, 10th down, 12th down, somewhere around there? So for a cast lineup, I, I don't see how you can avoid Duff this week. And it, and it has great course history here. So I, I'm with you. This is just a love fest, Pat. It's 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 yeah. You know, see, see, this is why this is why David makes the better picks because you and I agree on the guys that are probably going to miss the cut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is totally correct, probably. But I do like uh, I, I like Leishman this week too. I think at ninety three hundred, that, that's a good price for him. And you're right. I mean, it's the putting that's really got to him, but. Uh, I am going to have some of him in, in, in my lineups. I'm going to fade Bud Colley, though. I, I just I can't see paying $9,500 for Bud Colley. Now, the guy's been playing great, but I, I just there's something off there. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do any Bud Colley. How about you? Any thoughts there? Yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of feeling the same way. Some, but I do like to. I mean, I'll make my preliminary picks now, put them in my cheat sheet, but I do like to hear who other people are talking up throughout the week. And if it becomes one of these things where everyone's like, oh, everyone's fading Bud Colley, I'll probably invest a few shares just because we know what he can do. But like, it was the same thing I talked about on my betting show today. Like, he's 25 to 1 to win this tournament. Like, that's ludicrous. He's never won before. He's yeah. 25 to 1. He's Bud Colley. He's not John Rahm. He's Bud Colley. Like, let's let's be real here. Like, Webb at 9,100. No thanks. Uh, I mean, as much as I hate the guy, like, Phil at 88 seems far more sensibly priced. Yeah, I think I think you're right on Phil. And Bud Colley, to me, is like the new Charles Howell. He, he's going to finish, have a lot of top 10s. He's probably going to win a lot of money on tour, but he's not going to have many wins. That's That's just my opinion. And I love Charles. He's a man, but he doesn't win tournaments. So, but yeah, 
Phil, I mean, yeah, I'd much rather go down to Phil at 8,800, which is odd to me again. Why? How is he not in the 9,000 range? I mean, any... I don't know, but the guy, the guy is a DraftKings machine when it yeah. comes to just scoring fantasy points. No, he, he is. And, and I, I just don't see how you can... Uh, I, I just don't... I think that he's definitely mispriced here. So, Phil Mickelson, to, if you're going to... If you're playing a lot of cash, you got to put him in your lineups and and just let him roll. I mean, he's a core guy for me. And also, I, I think Adam had one at 8,400. I'm going to be back on him this week. I haven't really talked about him all that much in the last few weeks, but he's made 11 of 11 cuts this year. Checks a box on strokes gained approach. Uh, he was a top 10 here in 2015. So Adam Hadwin is going to be another guy that I, I'm going to target in the in the eight thousand range, um, and also I, I, I think, think he's I, you know what I, I think Hadwin's a good cash play. I don't know if I would roll him out in tournaments. He just he's struggled off the tee a little bit, and if he gets himself into trouble off the tee, the the strokes gained approach aren't going to mean anything. He's going to have to put the lights out, and his putters got progressively worse as the season's gone along. Yeah, well, I I could see that. I definitely, yeah, he is a cash game for sure. Play, but GPP maybe maybe off of him a little bit for that. But my tournament play of the week is Brant Snedeker at eighty one hundred. And you're probably just you're just you're just beside yourself right now, Pat. You don't you can't understand that, can you? All, all I will say is he was my tournament play of the week last week, and look how that turned out. All right, so see, here we go. We, we're going to average out the pats here. One of us is going to be right. So that's I'll probably all we end up owning. I'll, pro- I'll probably end up owning shares of him anyway. Yeah. I always own shares of Brant Snedeker. I'm going to own him this week. Again, he typically puts well on, on bent grass greens, and I think that, you know, I, I just I'm feeling a good week for him. So that's that's it's that's just, all I, I'm gonna say. I, I don't know how the wrist is affecting him because he skipped the players because of this wrist injury, and then he plays the next week at the Byron Nelson. Like he he didn't look right at all. But so that's that's your perfect tournament play then, right? I mean, he's gonna yeah, be no, lo- I, he's gonna I, be agree, alone he, for sure. But, sure, but he just might be garbage. Like he might be like still hurt. Well, he could be. I'm just saying, play him. You, you say you listen well, to David more than you listen to me. I'm telling you this week, listen to me, Brant Snedeker, play him. All right, I'll play a few. Then is that mean we're getting back in on Dillette after a terrible week, too? Yes, we are. As a matter of fact, I am back on Dillette. That's all I'm going to say. I have a Dillette you, problem. What about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll play him for sure. I play him every week. Like... <laughs> which is stupid because he's weirdly overpriced. Now he's not one of my favorite plays on the board, but I just like the way that he can score in bunches. I mean, I would never have him anywhere near a cash lineup and I would never bet him to win, but DraftKings wise, he can score. And when you take driver out of his hand, he tends to be a little bit better. So uh, I I do like him. I have a feeling that Grio and Ryan Palmer are going to be super chalky in this range though. Well, damn Pat. I mean, those were going to be my next two picks. I guess I'm. I, I like I like the guys at the bottom of the seven thousands. I'm going to have a ton of those guys. All right, so then talk about those guys. I'm going to let you because because I actually the, my my next two are going to be Palmer and Grio. So you think they're going to be chalky? I like them this week. So let's let's go. Let's just go with with some other guys. So go. Okay, there's just some there's just some mispriced guys like Graham McDowell is seventy four hundred dollars. If it's gonna be super windy and you have to hit fairways, I like Graham McDowell. Kyle Stanley is only seventy four hundred dollars. I don't understand why he's been great. Nick Taylor, who's surging right now. I mean, I'd rather play Taylor over Dillette. He's only seventy three hundred bucks. Charlie Hoffman is seventy three hundred dollars. This is in Texas. Use Charlie Hoffman, <laughs> and then William McGirt is seventy one hundred. Kevin Tway is seventy one hundred. Like what? I wouldn't feel bad running out that lineup. No, I think I, I I like it. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, those guys are all mispriced as far as I'm concerned. I love Kyle Stanley too. I, I was surprised you mentioned him because he's his course history here isn't isn't very good. But if you look at you know just the way he's been playing lately, you know he was fourth at the players. Uh, he's and he, and he checks all the boxes for me. Strokes gain approach, strokes gain off the tee proximity so i'm i am with you on stanley and and i think that you're right there's a lot of guys in this low 7k range that i I think he can play and that 
That brings me to a, a question I have of you. If you're looking at it this week, are you gonna? What's your strategy gonna be? Are you kind of thinking maybe average price line and, and instead of studs and duds, or are you going more studs and duds? It, it depends on. I can see myself going studs and duds if we consider the guys I just mentioned duds. Like I can play Sergio, a nine thousand dollar guy, and four of those guys, and I, I feel pretty good about my team uh, for tournament wise. I mean, even in cash, I like a lot of those guys. And there's even more guys down here that seem to be weirdly mispriced. But where there's only 128 players in the field, that's a bit more than last year. But it's still a lot less than the 144 or even 156 that we get at a normal event, which means more and more guys are going to make the cut when you have your top 70 in ties, just a higher percentage are going to get through, which means you're going to have more six of six teams, which means more of the duds are going to make it through the cut. So if you're convinced that this becomes a superstar fest and it's Rom, Spieth and Sergio and Kucher and Casey, like three of those guys end up in the like top five or top 10, then Going studs and duds isn't the craziest thing because there's enough value even in the $6,000 area plus the higher percentage that they make the cut that studs and duds makes a lot of sense. Now, if people start thinking that way, I'm very okay with going balanced because the way that they have people priced, at least on DraftKings, um, even comparing it just to betting odds, like McGirt's 55 to 1, Kyle Stanley's 55 to 1, Bill Haas is like 80 to 1, uh, Nick Taylor's 80 to 1, and they're behind guys that are like 170 to 1. So I just, it feels like a mispricing week. So I think you should take advantage of that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think, um, you know, you look at a guy like Bill Haas, who you just mentioned. I mean, 6,900 is the cheapest I have seen him in a long time. Have you, I mean, when was the last time you saw Haas there? Ever? No, I'm just looking through his stats, like his pricing week to week to week to week. And like the lowest he's been is he was 7,200 at the Masters and he was 7,000 at the WGC. But those are stacked fields. Yeah. Uh, but I still can't figure out what to do with Bill Hass. I don't even know if I want to use him or not. Like, I, I know he makes cuts generally. I mean, he's only he's missed three in a row now. And I mean, that's why he's kind of faltered. But I don't know. I really thought he would do something at the Heritage, and I thought he would do something at the Players, uh, just because he's a die specialist. And you know, on paper, this course kind of seems to fit what he does well, but it just seems like his game is out of sorts. Like he's not making birdies at all. Like I've never really loved him as a DraftKings player because you rely so much on his finishing position. Because he's not one of those guys that's going to go out and shoot a sixty-two and light it up with like eleven birdies in a round. He's basically going to make like five birdies at best and just part of the rest of the holes and not make bogeys. That's sort of his game. All right. So, yeah. So Bill Haas is, uh, I think he could be a, he could be a good one this week. So we, we've covered him. Well, let's, let's just finish out the six K range here, Pat. I'm going to, I'm going to go first and then I'll let you, you finish us out. So I cannot do a show without having this guy. Uh, well, let me just, let me back up. I can't have a show without David Barnett, without picking this guy in just complete bliss with no David. And I'm going to go with Jonas Blix <laughs> at $6,700. And David will hate that. But Blix has actually played pretty well as of late and puts well on bent grass greens. And if you look at his course history, it's not terrible here. He's got a, you know, he's played here four times. He's missed one cut. He's got two, well, one top 10. He finished 11th there in 2013. And he was 55, uh, 55th in 2016. That's not great. But I think, you know, Jonas Blix at 6700 is a pretty good price for him. I mean, another jo guy that I'm going to. I uh, just, just quickly on Jonas Plix. I mean, the guy just won me a lot of money recently, so I'm in on Jonas Plix. But if he's in the mix come Sunday, like he can win. He, he has closing potential. So, you know, he, he could miss the cut by 20 strokes because you never know which Jonas Plix is going to show up. But he is a closer, and that's hard to get down in this range. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I totally agree. So he's going to be one of the guys that I think I will play down here. And also, Marty Laird. Party Marty at sixty, yeah. Party Marty at sixty six hundred. He did miss the cut last year, but if you look at his course history, out of uh, six times playing here, he's made the cut five times. He's had two top tens, and so I think if if uh, 
if Marty can get that putter rolling, he he could have a really good week, and I'm I, I love that price at sixty six hundred. Uh, another guy that I'm going to throw out is uh, I cannot I, I just I just love him. He's he's uh, you know a, a local guy for us, and that's Scott Brown at sixty six hundred as well. Has uh, this is a course that should set up pretty well for him. He he grew up on similar courses, and and, and you know he's not that long off the tee, but he do, you just don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that I, I think Scott Brown could be one of those guys that just kind of jumps out of nowhere and has a pretty good finish. So there you go. That's that's my six K guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you roll with it now. Well, we we have two of the same guys because I like Martin Laird and I like Scott Brown too. I bet Scott Brown to win this at 175 to one. So 6600 on DK sounds pretty good to me. I like the way he played last week. Problem with Scott Brown is you see him on Sunday and you're like, oh god, Scott Brown's near the lead. Well, he's not going to win. Uh, it just he seems to be one of those guys that just kind of flirts and never gets it going. Maybe this is the right type of course for him. I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Zach Blair. I don't know what my infatuation with Zach Blair is. Like it's a really minus EV move ever taking Zach Blair, but he tends to putt really well on bent grass. He got it back together last week after, you know, kind of crapping the bed at the players a bit. Mackenzie Hughes is someone who's just playing like he played really well with the players. And when you see people like Horschel and you see people like Duffner and Kisner have played really well at like the RSM, I mean, Mackenzie Hughes played well there as well. So I think that's he's someone, but the guy that I really liked down in this range and I liked him last week too. And he, he made some Eagles and that's always nice, but it's boo weekly. Like, over his past 12 rounds, Boo Weekly is third in this field in strokes gained tee to green. He's fifth off the tee, second in approach. It's just Boo Weekly can't putt. But historically at this course, he has putt, putted quite well. Uh, he's a former winner of this event. I just feel like he, you don't want to make him a core guy. You don't necessarily need to go massively overweight on Boo Weekly. But $6,400 seems to be a pretty good price for him, considering when you look at some of the other guys in his range, you have this guy whose name is... I'm going to try this one out. Jazz. I mean, we can Uh-oh. just call him like the Jazz Hands or something like that, but his name is Jazz Jane Watt and Do you got any better pronunciation wow. than that? <laughs> no. Uh, if anybody listens to our show, they know that me and pronunciations don't go very well, so I'm not even going to attempt that one. I thought maybe you had like an Appy Barn Rat type style with it. Maybe you just knew what it was. All right, well... So, so you're asking me to go ahead and, and try this, um, Jazz. I'm just going to say it exactly how I think it reads. Jazz, Jane Watt, Ananod. Jane Watt Tan Anod. Jane Watt Tananod. Jane Watt Tananod. Jazz Jane Watt Tananod. DJ Jazzy Jeff is fine. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that. I or, like that. Okay. or at least DJ Jazzy Jane. How about that? Yeah. That is, that, I love that. And I like, you know, it goes back to the, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I mean, come on. Great show. And he'll probably be, like, tossed off the other side of the cut. Yeah, I don't think he's making that. There is one All guy right, we so didn't talk about that I didn't this... want to run by you because I can't figure out what to do with him. Go ahead. Wes Bryant. He's only $7,000. Doesn't this seem like the perfect Wes Bryan course? Yeah, I think it does. As a matter of fact, I was looking at him, and I thought this was the first week that he played an event last year after he had the Battlefield promotion on the tour with winning three tournaments last year. But I think it may have been the FedEx St. Jude that was his first one last year. But I think this course is is a very good course for him. So I, I, I think... Wes Bryan could be one of those guys. And and then, you know, 7000 for him, it's just too cheap. And I'll, I'll throw out one more that we didn't mention because we're just going to go all over the place <laughs> on this show. And uh, and that's Harris English at nope. 7300 Listen, let me let me talk you into this. Has he missed his last yet? four cuts? Look, he's missed his last four cuts. Yeah, he's good, though. All right, so... What's the what's the narrative in the last two tournaments? Okay. Guy, guys who Siwoo are terrible Kim. that end up winning. Yes. So Harris English, he is that guy, and he was second here last year. So there you go. I'm not doing it. I didn't convince you. And that wasn't the strongest argument that he's missed four straight cuts. <laughs> 
Well, Siwoo Kim. Sure. Billy Horschel. If we had to play that tournament over a million times, I don't think I would have ever landed on Siwoo Kim. So I'm just I'm just trying to follow with the narrative of the last two winners, guys that miss a lot of cuts. I so mean, if go. that's the case, it's, it's Stephen Bowditch week. Oh gosh, well let's not let's not let's not go too far, Pat. Pat number two. Maybe maybe Matt every li- week. No 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 who's at the bottom by the way who's who's this guy at the bottom keith, um, keith clearwater he shows up like twice keith a clearwater. year i mean is he should he be on the senior tour he must be a texas guy because i feel like he shows up for like two tournaments a year he was born in 1959 oh golly so he's a, he's not that old he's 57 What's he doing in this tournament? Did he win or something? Is that why he's playing here? I, I think he's like, it was like last week. I think the guy who was like GM of the course was in the tournament. Yeah, that is. But I've heard Keith of Keith Clearwater before. I mean, I think he was a tour player. Well, he's played this. He's played this event since 2005. He missed one year in 2010. That may have been. Um, he probably had a doctor's appointment and missed it that year. Yeah, he had a colonoscopy. Yeah. But anyway. All right, well listen. We got to close it up, but, but Pat, it has been an incredible show. Thank you for coming on and filling in for for David who is uh now he gets to edit this and do all that kind of stuff, so that's that's fun for him as you may know, but uh I appreciate you coming on. I think it's been a great show. And uh, any last thoughts before we before we sign off? I guess I'll say that I'm glad. I mean, you said at the beginning you guys listened to my show and you guys got into it. I'm glad you did because you guys are my favorite golf show to listen to. Wow, that that I I don't know what to say. I'm I'm choking up, Pat. I'm choking up. Well, I don't listen to many. I don't like to read or listen. And this may sound counterintuitive, but I don't like to listen or read, or watch people who do the same things that I do, if that makes a lot of sense. I know it may not, but I don't like to feel like I'm ever ripping anyone off. I like to have, at least in my mind, have a fresh take on everything. But you guys are the exception to that. I just, I love listening to you guys. The rapport is legit. It reminds me of when me and Feinberg had a show. Uh, Which is, by the way, it's a crime that you don't have a show together. Um, Hopefully that will change at some point, because I love Feinberg. Just like we love listening to you, we again I appreciate you being on the show with us. We usually sign out. I'll say, um, see, or no, wait. David says, see ya. I say out. So, um, so here we go. We are done with the show. Tour junkies, thanks for downloading. See ya. Out. A seatbelt can stop you from going into a store. A seatbelt can stop you from climbing a tree. It can stop you from flying or from rolling down a hill. A seatbelt can stop you from doing a lot of things, like crushing bones and damaging vital organs. It can even save your life. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws, to save lives. So buckle up every trip, every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock, like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 Tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock, like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 Tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only.